Are you wandering in the wilderness? Or are you a voice in the wilderness? Welcome to the Revival Cry podcast. This is your host, Eric Miller. Isaiah 40 verse 3 says, Prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. The goal of this podcast is to encourage you to use the voice God has given you to make Jesus famous. Every week, we will share principles from the Word of God, interviews, and encouragement in order to strengthen your voice. Thank you for joining me today. And now here is today's podcast. I want to talk to you today about that it's time to wear revival shoes again. How many of you have heard of Smith Wigglesworth? He was a great evangelist that had a powerful healing anointing upon his life. He's been gone from this earth for many years. But there's a story from one of his books. It's called The Shoe Story. While he was staying at the home of a minister in England, Wigglesworth and this minister were eating together. After they ate together, they were sitting together. Their conversation went about the minister's legs because he had no legs from the knees down. Artificial limbs in those days are not like they are today. And so Wigglesworth turned to the man and he said to him, go buy a new pair of shoes in the morning to a man that had no legs. The poor minister must have thought it was a joke. But after they went to their rooms to sleep, God said this to the minister, go do what my servant told you to do. There was no more sleep for the man that night. (laughs) He woke up early in the morning, went downstairs to the shoe shop, and he was waiting for it to open. See, that's faith. The manager arrived and opened the shop for business. He and the minister sat down together. He said, good morning, sir. How can I help you today? He said, yes, I would like to get a pair of shoes today. Yes, sir. What size and color would you like? The man hesitated, and he saw his condition. He said, sir, I'm sorry, but we cannot help you. He said, it's okay, young man, but I do want a pair of shoes, size eight, color black. The assistant went to get the requested shoes. He returned and handed them to the man. The man put one stump into the shoe and instantly a foot and leg grew. Then the same thing happened with the other leg. He walked out of that shop, not only with a new pair of shoes, with a new pair of legs. Hallelujah. Wigglesworth was not surprised. He often made remarks like this. As far as God is concerned, there is no difference between forming a limb and healing a broken bone. The title of my message again is this. It's time to wear revival shoes. The full armor of God is the clothing that God has given to his church. If there is no corporate revival, we can still walk in personal revival. Todavía podemos caminar en avivamiento personal. We are responsible to cultivate intimacy with God in our own heart. How many of you believe you could stay on fire for God even when other people are not? The Brownsville revival ended about 2000 or so. It was a corporate revival that four and a half million people came through the doors of Brownsville Assembly of God. 
We know people all over the world whose life was transformed still to this day. The corporate revival has not been going on for quite some time, but the personal revival has never died. The fire on the altar of our hearts continues to burn. You can't light a fire if you don't have fire, because if you have a torch, those living in darkness begin to see a great light. It's time to wear the revival shoes again. We don't come to church to get Jesus. We bring Jesus with us to church. Amen. This is part of the transition of what God is doing in his church. He said, no more is it just about you, but surrender your will to me. Walk with me by faith and I will meet your need. I will use your life. I had no idea that well over 25 years ago that God would do with us what he did. I was a backslidden youth pastor before I came to Brownsville. I was addicted to sin, selfish and arrogant. But I went to church every week. I was a youth pastor. I even had a fish on my car. Bumper stickers. Christian t-shirts. Christianity, as Steve Hill said all the time, is not hanging around the cross. Christianity is getting on the cross. See, you can't have a fire without sacrifice. The Lord made the ultimate sacrifice for us. But he said, if you're going to follow me, lay your life down. Don't try to save yourself. He's the only one who could save us. When we surrender our will, God takes something in our hearts and sets it on fire. And we can burn brightly for him. Amen. Now, if we look at Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 20, Paul says, put on the whole armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil. There is resistance against the church unlike we've ever seen before. He said, you need this armor to take your stand against the enemy. We don't wrestle against each other. We wrestle against spiritual works of darkness. Take this armor that you would be able to withstand the day of evil. We know this world is getting worse. The increase of sin is growing and growing every day. And when we sin, we open greater doors to the enemy to come and wreak havoc. Jesus said the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Why is he allowed to do that? Because sin opens the door. Sometimes people sin and they think, oh, my sin doesn't affect other people. But I'm telling you that your sin you do in secret affects the entire world. And here's the fact of the matter. The enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But when we get on fire for God, Jesus brings hope. And he says, I've come to give life and life more abundantly. What we have destroyed the world with in our own sin, we are responsible for. When we get saved, it's not just about what God's doing for us. Thank God for salvation. That we can die with the hope that we'll be with God for eternity. But you and I are meant to be salt and light to the world. That means what begins in you is going to undo all of what the enemy has destroyed in this world. We are called to take the gospel to our neighbors and to the nations. We're talking about the armor of God. And he said, these are the different pieces of armor. Number one, the belt of truth. The belt of truth starts personal revival. Next, the breastplate of righteousness. It sustains 
personal revival. The shoes of the gospel of peace, it spreads personal revival. The shield of faith, it screens personal revival. The helmet of salvation secures personal revival. And the sword of the spirit sparks personal revival. The shoes of the gospel of peace. We're called the spread revival fire. In verse 15 of Ephesians 6, Paul says, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. What does it mean to shod your feet? The Greek word here is called hypodio. It means to bind under one's feet. To put on like a sandal that is bound to your feet. The picture we can have in this situation is when a horse is fitted with a horseshoe. And this is when the horse is fitted with horseshoes that have metal points that stick out from the horseshoe. It prevents slipping. You dig into the ground. How many of you like to play soccer? You don't just wear any shoes, you wear cleats. You dig into the dirt so you don't slip. And it causes you to be able to break and move quickly in different directions because it goes into the ground. Think about this. Romans 10 verses 14 through 15. It says, how then shall they call on him whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. I've learned something about evangelism, that if I don't cultivate personal revival, I'm not going to be willing to share the gospel with others. What Paul is saying that what we do with this piece of the armor of God is that he's expecting us that personal revival would be normal. It's not something that we feel like doing one week or change our mind the next week. It's something that we maintain and are consistent in. When you live in sin or backslide, you take the full armor of God off. How many of you, after a hard day's work, and you're on your feet all day long, you like to go sit in that chair, kick your shoes off, and just go to sleep? I'm not saying there's anything wrong with resting. I encourage you to rest. But I'm saying spiritually, we never take our shoes off. We never take the armor of God off. We never try to live a spiritual life without spiritual clothing. So what Paul is saying is that he's speaking to people in the Ephesian church that personal revival should be normal. It should not be something I have to talk to you about. So when I'm telling you to put on the shoes of the gospel of peace, to take your stand against the enemy, I'm telling you to run and not grow weary. I'm telling you that there's no armor that is on the back side of the disciple of Jesus. All armor is on the front because we are never meant to retreat. We are called to take our stand, 
to take the gospel to the nation, to not be intimidated by the works of darkness around us. But we pray that he increases and we decrease. We never stop preaching the love of the Father. We never stop serving. They used to ask the leaders during the revival because it was a very intense season about, do you guys get tired? Oh yeah, we get tired. At first, the revival would start in the evening, but then would go to the wee hours of the morning every day for many years. And then what happened? Steve Hill said this one time. He said, it's okay to be tired at times, but it's not okay to be weary. You remember what Jesus said? He didn't say, come to me, all you who are tired. He said, all you who are weary with yokes around your neck. Because when you're weighed down by this world and not walking in freedom, that's when sin comes knocking on the door and says, sir, why don't you just turn the uh, computer on? Nobody else is awake and you can look at whatever you want to. You see, the enemy comes knocking when we're weary. It's okay to be tired as a Christian when you learn how to rest in the Lord. Jesus is our Sabbath day. While I believe it's important to set aside a week each, uh, a, a day during each week, God is not interested in us just being religious about Sunday. He said, I am your Sabbath rest. We were just talking about tithing. Do you think God needs our 10%? No, but that's what he said you could start with. If you learn how to give up 10% that represents what you work hard for, you're taking a step of faith and allowing me to meet your needs and you're not just trusting in yourself. If you don't want to live by the Old Testament 10%, you can live by the New Testament percentage. Everything belongs to God. Amen? Hallelujah. Do you know I found it interesting that the only other time this Greek word uh, for the shoes of the gospel of peace, it's also used in Mark chapter 6, verse 7, verse 7 through 9. And Jesus called the 12 to himself and he began to send them out two by two and he gave them power over unclean spirits. He commanded them to take nothing for the journey except a staff. No bag, no bread, no copper in their money belts, but to wear sandals and to not put on two tunics. We're not called to be shoeless Christians. It would be funny for somebody to just walk in the church with their bare feet, right? Unless you have a beach church of some sort, right? Which maybe you do. I don't know, you know. I, I am so grateful that the Lord has given this property to you. It so much blesses me to see this body moving forward in such blessing of the Lord. Listen to this. Henry Martin once said this. The spirit of Christ is the spirit of missions. The nearer we get to him, the more intensely a missionary we become. Some of you are thinking, what are you talking about? I came to the U.S. Is God going to ask me to go somewhere else now? It's not about just going somewhere. It's about being who God wants you to be. If personal revival continues in your heart, then God will give you his heart for the world. Does that mean that a missionary is only someone who can preach and teach and sing and all that? I know missionaries who cut trees down 
I know missionaries who work at Walmart. I know missionaries who own businesses. I know missionaries who've never left Pensacola. And I know missionaries all over the world. I'm not trying to tell you, you have to do what I'm doing. People say, how do you do it? And I say, how can we not do it? When Jesus changes your life, you can't help but talk about the things that you've seen and heard. My goal is not to get back to the Brownsville revival 20 years ago. My goal is to see revival in every place, people, tribe, and tongue that God takes us to. Now, our kids know that we're not pressuring them to become anything. They have their own ears to hear God. If they want to do something similar to what we do, that's great. I'm just his stand-in father. His real father in heaven is the one who guides our children. Another reason why revival fire must burn in your marriage and in your home. I'm not boasting when I say this. I'm simply stating a fact that my kids are on fire for Jesus. That our marriage is on fire for Jesus. I don't want another wife. One is enough. But when you become one with Jesus and you take on his heart for people, it's so worth giving everything away for him. He gave everything away for us. Amen. In December of 2000 is when I graduated from the Brownsville Revival School of Ministry. And the day after graduation, uh, graduation was on Saturday, the day after was Sunday, a man named Dwayne Jones brought two pair of shoes and put them on the pulpit. And he explained that both pair of shoes represented two people who have gone to be with the Lord. The first pair of shoes represented a famous Assembly of God missionary named Mark Buntane. Mark was a missionary with his wife in Calcutta, India. They say that India, Calcutta is one of the worst, if not the worst cities in all of India. They led hundreds and thousands of people to Jesus. This brother who was preaching that Sunday said, these are the shoes that Mark Buntane was wearing the day that he died. Then he had another pair of shoes and he began to describe it because not everybody could see them up close. And he said, these shoes right here have a little stain of blood on them. These were the shoes that a young lady named Rachel Scott was wearing the day that she was murdered in the Columbine High School massacre. A high school in the late 90s in Colorado had two young men come in and just begin to shoot and kill all kinds of other students. When Rachel Scott was shot, one of the young men with the gun came and pointed a gun at her. And he knew that she was a Christian. And he said, what do you think of your God now? Do you want to deny your God now? And she said, I'll never deny you. And he shot her dead. This brother who preached that Sunday said, God told me to bring these two pair of shoes here this morning because they're empty and God is looking for somebody to fill them. I was sitting in the Brownsville in the back. As soon as I heard that, I began weeping and I knew the Lord was calling my family and I to be missionaries. I had no idea how that was going to work out. We moved to the, fam, uh, to the Philippines in 2003. Uh, through the first year that we're there, we're not getting a whole lot of money. We were supposed to be getting in about $1,500 a month, but we were getting 350 It was very hard. 
And so one day at the end of the year, I'm walking and one of my shoes, when it would talk, and when I would walk, it would talk and speak in tongues as I walk. I think some of you also have t- shoes that speak in tongues. Okay. So a poor Filipino pastor looked at my shoes and he said, you should go back to the U.S. and raise more money. I felt shame. I felt that I couldn't provide. What are we doing here, Lord? We're 8,000 miles away. We had given $2,000 in the beginning of the year for immigration. And at the end of the year, we found out that somebody in immigration stole the money. Not only our family, but four other families that we moved there with, they all had to pay the same amount. So at the end of the year, when we were going to do our immigration, we not only found out that we were there illegally, I know what it's like to be illegal, but let me tell you this, that we also incurred an additional $2,000 in fines. We had to pay all the fees for immigration. And if we were going to go to the U.S., we needed money, one-way tickets to come back. I said, Lord, if you want us to go back, I don't know how that's going to happen. Within one week, somebody gave us $5,000. I was blown away. They didn't even fully understand all of what we needed. Do you know that from that circumstance, the Lord brought us to the U.S. and supernaturally provided that we've been able to stay in the Philippines for all those years up until uh, 2020. I've preached all over that nation. We feed 100 kids every week for 16 years. We've helped out in so many different financial ways in the Philippines. I've traveled multiple times to Japan, taking my family with me at times, and other nations. I'm not telling you this to to boast. I'm simply saying that without God in that revival fire, then we would be nothing. One of our trips back to the States several years after we moved to the Philippines. I'm speaking at a church north of Atlanta, Larry Tomzak. And there's 400 plus people in the church. I give an altar call. Several people come forward. God's touching them. And I look at one man who is walking slowly, looking at me like he's seen a ghost. He comes up to me. And during my message, I shared the story about the two pairs of shoes and our calling to missions. I motioned for him to come here. I said, how can I pray for you? He said, you don't know me. I've never been to this church before, but I was driving by today and a voice spoke to me to come in here. He says, you see, I've lived in torment for many, many years. He said, during the Columbine High School massacre, I was on the SWAT team, the police He said, I saw Rachel Scott's body come out. He was crying. He's telling me this. He said, you share that story again. And I've been tormented all these years of the images and feeling, what could I have done? He said, I feel like God's setting me free right now. I prayed for him. I hugged him. He just wept. In 2020, I'm in West Virginia at a church and I never met this pastor named Mike Robinson. And I was invited to share at his church. And I'm walking through the vestibule, the outdoor area of the church. And he has a bookcase like you do here. And he has one book. Do you know what the title of the book is? Somebody has to wear the shoes. I said, what is your book about? He said, there was a young man who attended the Brownsville Revival. 
And he came up to our church one time and he talked to me about a message that he heard of a man putting two pairs of shoes on the pulpit. And it struck into my heart that we have to call this generation to go wear the shoes. Somebody has to wear the revival shoes. This past week at, in a, at a church in Winter Haven, Florida, Jeremiah Johnson was speaking there. That night before I left, it was pouring rain. And I hadn't worn these shoes since we really left the Philippines. I just got some other shoes. So I didn't want to ruin my new shoes in the rain. So I wore these shoes. And I go and I walk in the church building that night. And I heard the Lord say this. It's time to wear the shoes again. It's time to go. I'm not asking you to wear shoes to just there's nothing unique about these shoes. I'm talking about your spiritual condition before God. You know, I thought about this. Why did Jesus wash the disciples' feet in John 13? I, I don't I'll have time to go into it right now. But did you ever think about that? Yeah, it's a cultural thing that, that people would do at that time. But to Jesus, it was more than a cultural thing. Because he knew that the feet of these disciples would go to the nations. And he knew that where they would go, they would shed their blood. All of them would be martyred except for John. I'm going to ask you today. I believe God's calling some of you with the same calling I was given in December of 2000. I'm not saying you got to move to the Philippines. I don't know where God's going to take you. You know what Jesus told, you know, Peter told Jesus, Lord, you're not going to wash my feet. And what did, what did Jesus say to him? He said, if I don't wash your feet, then you have no part with me. restore your calling. You may be hearing the echoing voice of the Lord calling you back to the nation you came from. God might be saying, I'm calling you to the nations. And he's saying, you don't need the corporate Brownsville revival. You just need personal revival. Someone has to wear the shoes. Lord, in Jesus' name today, I thank you for the power of the Holy Ghost I thank you for your mercy Jesus God in your name we want to go to our neighbors and to the nations we want to go tell everybody about how wonderful you are and Lord before we're going to be willing to do that we need to have fire burning in our heart thank you for listening to Revival Cry with Eric Miller please subscribe rate and write a review for this podcast on iTunes 
cpnshows.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. To find out more or partner with our missions work around the world, please visit us at revivalcry.org. I look forward to being with you next week.